0: to be looking at the 6th chapter of Matthew, verse 25 through 34. And we're continuing to have the Word of God speaking to us through what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it is a powerful teaching from Jesus Christ himself, and I want us always to keep that in mind. And so, I'm going to start my statements with you with a seven-word phrase, the beginning words of this passage of Scripture from Jesus Christ himself. And it is a declarative statement. It is a definite statement because Jesus says here, Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Because I venture to say that everybody in the room struggles with worry. It's part of our human condition. Now, I am saying to you, not what I'm saying, but I'm saying what Jesus said. He said, do not worry. In this whole passage of Scripture, is a statement of how you and I in chaos and in struggles, we worry about this and we worry about that and we worry about this and we worry about that. And if you're honest, you will certainly agree that you do worry about a lot of stuff. Worry is the same thing as fear. Worry and fear is the same thing as being anxious. In fact, in our society today, there's a lot of anxiety that is considered. Some of you may, hopefully not, but may suffer from anxiety attacks or panic attacks. There's medication provided for that. But I would propose to you that what we're talking about today is the best medication that you can take for Fear, worry, and anxiety. Now, I want to share with you a bit of a personal story. I will assure you that I never want the spotlight to be on me, other than the fact that I struggle, and I have struggled just like everybody else. And I want you to know that for the first half of my life, for those of you that don't know me, I'm 81 years old, And for the first half of my life, so about 40 years, I lived in a great deal of insecurity. I lived in a great deal of fear. I lived in a great deal of struggle. Now, I came from a decent family. I was educated. Uh, I made some terrible mistakes when I was a young adult, and that added to my fear and to my worry, added desperately to my insecurity. But for 40 years, I was a significant worrier. So please let me assure you, I know what it's like. In fact, I will tell you that I would consider myself the chief of worriers. I worried all the time. I was fearful all the time. And mostly what I was afraid of was things related to interpersonal relationships I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of disapproval. And so therefore, I was always chaotic. By the way, chaos is not a godly term. I was always chaotic about doing everything and hustling and proving myself. And much of the time, I made terrible mistakes related to that. Even in my late 20s and during my 30s. I was educated. I had a master's degree. I was working on a Ph.D. Uh, I was seeking the Lord, but I was also a minister some of those years in a large church in Dallas, Texas, and then I was associate minister, minister of education at Lynn Baptist Church right here in Virginia Beach. That was in my 30s. But still, even with all of that, wife and two children and education and good ministry, I was still insecure, struggling, and worrying basically all the time. And it diluted me. It contaminated me. Now, I still worked hard to serve the Lord, but sometimes I have to admit that during those years, particularly during the late 20s and 30s when I was in church staff positions, Although I apparently was serving the Lord, I wonder if I was not serving myself because of my insecurities. So I want you to realize when I talk about what Jesus says, when he says, do not worry. I knew what he said back in those days. I knew this scripture passage. I had read it many, many times. I had preached it. I had taught it. And I still worried desperately. And then someday, one day, back around the time that I was about age 40, I wish I had dated it, but I did not. But I was studying scripture, which I had a pattern of doing, and I knew scripture. And I read through this, the, book of, the first part of the book of Matthew. And I came to the sixth chapter, verses 25 through 34 and I heard, not verbally, but impression deep in my spirit, I realized that Jesus Christ was saying, Don, do not worry. And then on to the verses 33 and 34 of that section where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you, and don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow is going to have enough troubles of its own. Now that is verse 33 and 34 of this passage of scripture. Now please understand that this is Jesus Christ speaking. And when I read that when I was around the age of 40. I realized that Jesus was saying that to me. Because I was wrapped up in sinfulness. I was wrapped up in worry. I was wrapped up. In not trusting my Savior, Master, and Lord. Even though he had proven himself trustworthy. He had saved me. I knew that. I knew that he was in my life. I knew that. But I was living much of my life wrapped up in anxiety, fear, and worry. As do some of you. And when I read that around the age of 40. I will tell you it changed my life. This passage of scripture that we're talking about today changed who I am. And I was the chief of warriors. Now, I want to emphasize the fact that that is a statement of the past tense. Because in the last 40 years of my life, there has been peace. There's been a complete striving under the Lord's guidance and in the Lord's power. To not worry, to not be insecure, but to understand that in and through Jesus Christ that I could do what he's asked me to do with him and for him, as you can too. Remember, I always said and I have said, I'm not any better than anybody in this room. We all have Christ in our lives, I trust. And in him and through him, He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Now, worry is fear. Fear is a basic emotion to the human experience. So worry, fear, anxiety, all of those are the same word. And worry is fear. Now, who is the author of fear? Satan. Satan. Now, you don't have to answer this out loud or hold up your hand, but who in here is afraid of various things in your life? I was. Now, I will tell you that when you worry, when you are fearful, and when you're not trusting the Lord and all of His promises, then you and Satan are walking hand in hand through life, and Satan is very pleased. Now, the Lord loves you even in the midst of that, but he does not want you and me to walk with a Satan hand in hand. And so part of why he has asked me to preach this sermon today, part of why this passage of Scripture is here, part of why there are many other passages of Scripture that indicate this same principle of not being afraid, that's because that's God's plan. He wants you and me to be at peace Now, is this world a place of peace? No. It's a place of chaos. It's a place of turmoil. It's a place of tribulation. But Jesus, still in the midst of all that, wants you and I to be at peace. But fear has contaminated God's people for thousands of years. And for a moment, I want to take you back to the Old Testament, to a story that you know part of it, and maybe you know all of this, but I'm going to remind you of what happened to God's people back in the book of Exodus, verses 13, I mean, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, right through there. And during those passages, we find that God's people, the children of Israel, were in captivity in Egypt. You probably know that. They spent 400 years as slaves to the Egyptians back in that part of God's history however during that time and you know that the plagues came on the Egyptian people and God's power was all around God's people and even in the plagues if you go back and read the various plagues that happened all the way down to even the Passover night where the some of the Egyptian children were killed but God delivered his people. They could trust him. They did not have to be afraid, even in the midst of the plagues. There are places through there where it says that the plague did not affect the area of Goshen. Well, Goshen was the area in Egypt where all the Israelites lived. And so God's power demonstrated. They saw it. They felt it. They welcomed it. Even during that. And then, of course, we know that God delivered them he took them out of slavery, out of, out of Egypt, and he delivered them in freedom through Moses and through God's power. And so now the, the children of Israel are breaking free from the country of Egypt. They're walking across the desert, but who's chasing them? Pharaoh and all of his armies. And I'm sure they were afraid. And now they're facing the Red Sea. The water is right in front of them and they're trapped. The chariots and all the warriors are behind them and the sea is in front of them and they are extra fearful and frightened. But what did God do? What did God's power do? Through Moses, he said, hold your staff up and the pot- the waters will be parted. And so it was. The Red Sea parted and we're told through scripture and I believe it. Don't understand it, but I believe it, that the children of Israel walked out across the seabed on dry land. And the Egyptian army followed them out into between where the waters were. And the scriptures tells us that when the Egyptian army got out there, the waters receded, came back over to their proper place, and drowned hundreds of of Egyptian soldiers and their horses and their chariots. And Scripture even says, ghastly though it is, that the Israelites, God's people, saw some of these drowned people, these dead folks, on the shores of the lake, of the sea. So the people knew what God had done again in delivering them from devastation. So God's power was all around them. Then Moses and all the children of Israel walked out across the desert. And they they were thirsty. (laughs) Surely, I would have been, you would have been. But they didn't have water. And so they were grumbling, complaining, and saying, we're going to die of thirst out here. Well, they found a water hole. But then they discovered, Scripture tells us, that the water was bitter. That means it was poisonous. And so Moses, talking to Almighty God, God shows him a piece of wood. Now, what is in that piece of wood that's going to clean up this water hole? Nothing. Nothing. It's a piece of wood. Just a limb off a tree, maybe. But in the power of God, God says, Moses, throw that piece of wood into the water hole. Moses does what he's told to do. And we're told that the water becomes sweet, meaning it's healthy, clean, and for human nourishment. And not only that, but then after the water hole is cleaned out, the Jewish people move on to an oasis where there are 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Do you see what God's doing for them? The power of God and the, the deliverance of God is all around them. But they're just like you and me sometimes. They still grumbled. They still complained. Now they're hungry. And they go to Aaron and Moses and say, Why did you bring us out here in the desert for us to starve to death? We should have stayed back in Egypt where we sat around pots of meat. We had plenty to eat back there. Now we're out here and we're going to die of starvation. We want to go back to Egypt. Now remember, they've been delivered from slavery, a slavery that lasted 400 years. And they have seen God's power over and over and over and over and over. But as we humans have a tendency to do, they're still complaining and grumbling. Now God hears their complaints he hears their complaining he hears their grumbling and they're hungry so what does god do you know the part of the, this part of the story he sends manna now i don't know exactly what manna is but it came every morning as the dew would fall on the land all around the the children of israel and as it as the dew dried up there were white Grains of maybe like flour all around. And God told Moses to tell his people, you gather up one omer, which is some sort of a measurement. One omer for each person in your tent for each day. You gather that up so that you will be able to boil it or fry it or do whatever you do with omer of manna. And you have something to eat. Just one Omer, for each day. And don't save any of it until the morning. Don't save any of it till the next day. But what did the children of Israel do? They gathered up a bunch of it, stuck some of it in sacks, put it over in the corner of their tent. And what happened to that that they gathered up, which was extra? Remember, God said, take just one Omer per... Per person in your tent. All this other is extra. Why were they gathering extra? Because they were afraid. And they did not trust God. And so they figured out. Well we'll just save some of this. We got a lot out here. We'll just save some of it. Well they put it in the sacks. Put it over in the corner of the tent. And the Bible says. That maggots. Were in it. And it stunk. Now I don't earlier today yeah it's up there fear stinks live without it that's in the bible that that they gathered because of their worry and fear got maggots in it have you have you ever dealt with your trash and had maggots in it uh huh me too it's gross it's terrible and now Just one night, overnight. Because they disobeyed God because of their fear and because of their worry. And they thought they could do something that God was not going to do. They got maggots and it stunk. And God said, no, follow my instructions. And then He said, you can get two omers of manna the day before the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, there won't be any out here. Now, I don't understand all that, but I understand that God can do whatever He says that He wants to do. And that's the same for today. And He said, there won't be any out here on the Sabbath day. So don't even come out to gather any. You can get two the day before the Sabbath, Now, remember, before they had gotten extra, but now God's telling them to get extra for what they will eat or use on the Sabbath day. But the Bible says it did not stink. Now, again, it's a mystery. But we live with all sorts of mysteries in God's plan. And now, he says, there's not any manna out there on the Sabbath day. Well, you know what the people of Israel did? They went out on the Sabbath day to look and try to find some more. I mean, but now, let's don't throw rocks at them, folks. You and I have the same tendency. We are afraid. We worry. We feel like we have to figure it out and do it ourselves. Even when God says, I tell you, do not worry. Back to our passage in the 6th chapter of Matthew. Now, I have to share with you verses that I've already shared because they fit perfectly here, and this is part of God speaking to you and me. Because in this whole realm of not worrying and therefore being at peace, in the New Testament, there are some beautiful passages of Scripture Again, two very powerful statements from Jesus' mouth himself, because in John 14:27, the night before he's crucified, he said, "I've got to go, but I'm going to give you a gift, and this gift is my peace, and this world knows nothing about my peace, but through my peace listen carefully, He said, "You do not have to be afraid." Why? How? Because you and I are some sort of special people. No, you do not have to be afraid because of the power of God through Jesus Christ. And therefore, you can be at peace. In John, 13, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus again is speaking to his disciples. And he says, In this world, you're going to have trouble and tribulation. Yes, True. In this world, we're going to have trouble and tribulation. It is a chaotic, hurtful, difficult, unfair world. And it's getting worse. But Jesus said, in the trouble and tribulation, you can find peace in me. Because, he says, take heart. Be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Now, that is either true or these things are either true and absolute or we need to close the doors of the church today. And I am totally opposed to closing the doors of the church today because I know, and I pray that you know, that when God's word says, therefore I tell you, do not worry, then that is a command for you and me For our benefit. Because peace is a wonderful gift. And this guy right here that I said for 40 years. And in many, many places I was worried and insecure. But this passage of scripture has changed my life. And I live not in my peace. Not in the peace that I've produced but in the peace of Jesus Christ that he's given to me and he will give it to you as well. He's no respecter of persons. To me, to you, to everyone who will believe and trust him and live in accordance with what he says, then we can say to fear with absolute confidence, fear stinks and I'm going to live without it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, folks.